0: The following podcast comes to you through potbean.com In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein Here we go morning. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to In the Artist Realm with yours truly. I am Indie author Sylvia Stein. I hope you all are having a great morning. Start to your day. And as, as I said, every Wednesday we go into writing tips for uh, to give advice to writers. And I hope that you will like what we have in store for you guys today. Last week we spoke about Amy Peters, the writer's devotional. Today I'm focusing on a book that was highly recommended in uh, on Stephen King's book which is on writing which is another exciting book that I will tackle here on the in the right in the artist realm show sorry stuttering Um, and today I'm gonna focus on writing tools he recommended the 50 essential strategies for every writer by Roy Peter Clark what I really thought was neat about this book is that he divides his books into nuts and bolts special effects blueprints useful habits and you'll figure you know as we go because he calls them tools and I think that's why in the first section he calls it nuts and bolts and uh, that's what we're going to focus on today. Uh, Strategies for making meaning at the word sentence and paragraph levels because that's I think is a big part of us writers and what we need to do uh, you know how do we get started and how do we create books and you know and with our words and when we you know when we start working on a manuscript. So, I'm going to begin now with the section, uh, which is the paperback, which I, I always like to focus on the paperback, nothing against the Kindle book, but there's something about a paperback that you can go and you can highlight and you can just go through it. So, if you haven't gotten your copy yet, it I, I got it through Amazon. It's Writing Tools, 50 Essential Strategies for Every Writer by Roy Peter Clark. And on, on the quotation here, they have, writers will be inspired to pick up their pens. So I hope that you will check it out. Today we're gonna begin with, begin sentences with subjects and verbs. And I actually wrote an article uh, focused on this section, uh, on one of the articles that I wrote this week. Um, As I've spoken before, um, I'm happy to be, uh, I, I do editing and marketing with Stitch Smile Publications. Shout out to them, very happy to be with them. And I also do contributing blogs for the Huffington post. And I just started, uh, doing content creator for the odyssey online, which is also, you know, we focus on different things in the media and the news and stuff. And I focus on writing as well. So I hope you'll check those out too. But for today, we're going to begin with sentences with subjects and verbs. I just had my morning coffee, so I apologize, I, you know, I just, uh, I, I, I needed that morning coffee to get started because uh, when you don't have your coffee, I don't know about anyone else, but when I don't, you know, it just, uh, you, I need to have my morning coffee, otherwise I'm a mess. So, <laughs> my apologies on that. Uh, but anyway, let's begin with tool one, begin sentences with subjects and verbs is he says, Roy Peter Clark says, make meaning early, then let weaker elements branch to the right. So what, do, what does he mean by that? He explains, imagine each sentence you write printed on the world's widest piece of paper, it paper, paper, stretches from left to right. Now imagine this, a writer composes a sentence with subject and verb at the beginning followed by other subordinate elements, creating what scholars call a right branching sentence. So he explains what that is. A right branching sentence is a writer composes a sentence with subject and verb at the beginning, and then it's followed by other subordinate elements. So I just created one. He says, subject and verb of the main clause join on the left. A writer composes, while a, while, all other elements branch to the right. Here's another right branching sentence. So here he gives us an example of what he means written by Lydia Paul Green as the lead of a new story in the New York times. So this is taken from the New York times by Lydia Paul Green. And here he's explaining what a right branching sentence is. So listen up rebels seize control of Cap Haitian, Haiti's second largest city on Sunday meeting little resistance as hundreds of residents cheered, burned the police station, plundered food from port warehouses, and looted the airport, which was quickly closed. Police officers, police officers and armed supporters of President John Bertrand Aristide fled. He says, the, that first sentence contains 37 words and ripples with action. The sentence is so full. In fact, that it threatens to fly apart like an overheated engine. But the writer guides the reader by capturing meaning in the first three words. What were those three words? Rebels seize control. Think of that main clause at, as the locomotive that pulls all the cars that follow. That's what he says about that in regards to right branching sentence. Master writers can craft page after page of sentences written in this structure. Consider this passage. Now he gives us another example by the famous John Steinbeck from Canary Row, describing the routine of a marine scientist named Doc, and the emphasis is mine, he puts in parentheses. So listen up to this example. He didn't need a clock. He had been working in a tidal pattern so long that he could feel a tide change in his sleep in the dawn he awakened looked out through the windshield and saw that the water was already retreating down the bouldery flat he drank some hot coffee ate three sandwiches and had a quart of beer the tide goes out imperceptibly the boulders show and seem to rise up and the ocean recedes leaving little pools leaving wet weed and moss and sponge iridescence and brown and blue and china red on the bottom lie the incredible refuse refuse of the sea shells broken and chipped in bits of skeleton claws the whole sea bottom a fantastic cemetery, on which the living scamper and scramble Steinbeck places subject and verb at or near the beginning of each sentence. Clarity and narrative energy flow through the passage as one sentence builds on another. He avoids monotony by including the occasional brief introductory phrase in the dawn. And by varying the lengths of his sentences, a writing tool we will consider later. That's later in the chapter. Subject and verb are often separated in prose, usually because we want to tell the reader something about the subject before we get to the verb. This delay, even for good reasons, risks confusing the reader. With care, it can work. So let's move on to what he means by this. The stories about my childhood, the ones that stuck, that got told and retold at dinner tables to dates as I have sat by red face to my own children by my father later on our stories of running away so begins anna quindlin's memoir how reading changed my life a lead sentence with 31 words between subject and verb when the topic is more technical the typical effect of separation is confusion exemplified by this clumsy effort so let's read what he means by that a bill that would exclude tax income from the uh, uh, From the assessed value of new homes from the state education funding formula could mean a loss of revenue for Chesapeake County Schools. 18 words separate the subject, Bill, from its weak verb could mean a fatal flaw that turns what could be an important civic story into gibberish. The writer wants to create suspense or build tension or make the reader wait and wonder or join a journey of discovery or hold on for dear life. He can save subject and verb of the main clause until later, as I just did. He, this is what Roy Peter Clark said. Kelly Benham, a former student of mine, reached for this tool when called on to write the obituary of Terry Chiavo. Now remember this was a story that was in the news and um this is this is it the woman whose long illness and controversial death became the center of an international debate about the end of life. So uh, Roy Peter Clark's explaining, see here he says, Kelly Benham, a former student of his, reached for this tool, the tool that he's talking about, when you're trying to create a good passage. So this is what she wrote. Before the prayer warriors massed outside her window, before gavels pounded in six courts, before the Vatican issued a statement, before the president signed a midnight law and the Supreme Court turned its head, Terry Schiavo was just an ordinary girl with two overweight cats and an unglamorous job and a typical American life. So he, this is what Roy Peter Clark says. By delaying the main subject and verb, the writer tightens the tension between a celebrated cause and an ordinary girl. So we see this. We, if we break it up, if you look at the passage, before the prayer warriors masked outside her window, masked is the verb there, before gavels pounded in six courts, before the Vatican issued a statement, before the president signed a midnight law and the Supreme Court turned its head, Terry Chiavo was just an ordinary girl with two overweight cats and an unglamorous job in a typical American life. She delays the main subject and the verb. The writer tightens the tension between a celebrated cause and an ordinary girl. This variation works only when most sentences branch to the right, a pattern that creates meaning, momentum, and literary power. So that's what he says about that. Then he goes on to say, The brilliant room collapses, writes Carol Shields in the Stone Diaries, leaving a solid block of darkness. Only her body survives and the problem of what to do with it. It has not turned to dust, a bright droll, clarifying knowledge, comes over her at the thought of her limbs and organs transferred to biblical dust or even funeral ashes, laughable. And admirable. So, after, when she wrote, in a, Kelly Benham, who was a former student, wrote a, wrote, reach for this tool about the tool, what tool we're we talking about, begin sentences with subject and verbs. When she wrote the, when called on to write the obituary of Terry Chiabo. The, the story of the woman whose long illness and controversial death became the center of an international debate about the end of life. So she wrote this. Then, this variation works only when most sentences branch to the right, a pattern that creates meaning, momentum, and literary power. The brilliant room collapses, writes Carol Shields in the Stone Diaries. So she she says, and this is the other form of what she writes, leaving a solid block of darkness, only her body survives, and the problem of what to do with it It has not turned to dust. A bright droll clarifying knowledge comes over her at the thought of her limbs and organs transferred to biblical dust or even funeral ashes, laughable and admirable. So this is taken from the, the samples from the Nuts and Bolts begin sentences with subject and verbs make meaning early then let weaker elements branch to the right because when you don't then you have the clumsiness as he showed us um, with the when in this in this example of the 18 words separating the subject bill a bill that would exclude tax income from the access value of new homes from the state education funding formula could mean a loss of revenue for Chesapeake Chesapeake County Schools, sorry, Chesapeake, and 18 words separate the subject bill from its weak verb could mean, a fatal flaw that turns what could be an important civic story into gibberish. And he reminds us, if you want to create suspense or build tension or make the reader wait and wonder or join a journey of discovery or hold on for dear life, he can save subject and verb of the main clause until later. Which is, what, which is what he does when he explains, gives us the example of, of Lydia Paul Green from the New York Times and, and the John Steinbeck examples that he shows us. He also gives us an example of the Anna Quindlen's memoir, How Reading Changed My Life. And then she, he shows us the, the obituary that was written by one of his former students. And then we get to the end with Carol Shields, The Brilliant Room Collapses, the, uh, taken from the stone, her stone diaries. So he, this is an example of what Roy Peter Clark wrote in this magnix, magnificent, sorry, magnificent book called Writing Tools, 50 Essential Strategies for Every Writer. We started with a nuts and bolts and we just began on it. Today was just a little sample that I wanted to give every writer I hope you'll check the book out because it's got more extensions of, of what we're going to be discussing next. I will go into uh, order words for emphasis, activate your verbs, and be passive aggressive. So I'm going to be covering those in the next writing tools. I feel that I need to cover more of this magnificent book. I think it'll be important to share with all writers, and I hope it helps all of you. And I do appreciate you all tuning in to this podcast. Sometimes it's brief, sometimes it's not. You know, I, I just want to make sure that I'm bringing you the correct and effective writing tools for the day that will help you, motivate you, perhaps a writing prompt. I know a writing prompt helped me with a article that I wrote for, for Odyssey for this week. And it'll, it'll definitely start up the, the creative juices flowing. And I really hope that you all will continue to tune in to In the Artist Realm with Sylvia Stein, which is me. And I also have more exciting things to bring you on the Friday. I want to continue the one-on-one. I hope to bring other authors as well as podcasters and other types of artists here that will share their, their creativity with all of you. So I hope you all have a happy Wednesday. 'all I hope y'all continue to tune in and thank you so much as always and now I will leave you and you have a the rest uh, a, have a wonderful wonderful rest of your day thank you for tuning in we'll talk to you soon bye bye That was In the Artist's Realm with Sylvia Stein through podbean.com. Thank you. You all have a wonderful day.